Section 2 of Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 3. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Brian Keenan. Thursday, 26. I preached for the first time in our house, and for the second in Wilmington. My text was found in Acts 26, 17, 18. At eleven o'clock we were crowded, and I felt uncommon enlargement. One of the respectables came in the name of some of the reputables to request that I would preach in the ancient venerable brick church. I was weak, had spoken long and loud, and was more than ordinarily unwell. But Brother Wadcote was unwell and not able to go out. At four o'clock we had a large and decent congregation. I lectured upon Romans 10, 1 through 4. In the evening, numbers, both white and black, came again to the tabernacle. After John Norman had preached, I read, and commented upon two letters respecting the work of God in Delaware and Cumberland in the West. Friday, 27. We came off early and traveled down to Nixon's, through dews, damps, and rain, a great part of the way weary, pained, and sleepy, for want of rest. I gave a discourse on Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 Saturday, 28. About sunrise we hasted away and came to Lot Ballard's, at the Richlands, New River, about forty miles. We stopped not on the way. I unfortunately left my famous spectacles behind. I had laid them by, overwhelmed with drowsiness, and failed to take them up to read a chapter, as is my custom, except upon such overdoing journeys. We walked our horses at the rate of four miles an hour. My poor nag limped. I thought it was owing to the bad state of his shoes, when, behold, an oyster-shell had wedged itself in the hollow of his hoof, near the heel. Sunday, March 1 At New River I preached on Luke 19, 10. We had a very serious but unaffected congregation. Joseph Ballard and his wife Mary Ballard are gone to rest, after a respectable profession of religion amongst the Methodists, for seventeen or eighteen years. John Perry, a pious soul, formerly of the Baptists, and an official character amongst them, is also gone to his reward. He had backslidden, but was restored among the Methodists, and became a preacher and deacon. He died upon the road, going to an appointment. Neither he nor Ballard held slaves. Hail, happy souls! Monday 2 We had to march down upon Trent, sixteen miles. The appointed meeting had been transferred to Frederick Argates, occasioned by the death of his venerable mother, the respectable wife of General Frederick Argate, who had been suddenly called away. This lady justly deserved the great and good character she had for forty years preserved, as a wife, a mother, a mistress, and a friend. To relieve the poor, and to solace the afflicted, gave her pleasure and occupation almost uninterrupted. Thursday week she was at meeting. The following, she was a corpse. My subject on this solemn funeral occasion was 1 Corinthians 15, 22. As in Adam all die, 
so in Christ shall all be made alive. First, our union with Adam, and the unhappy consequences. Secondly, our union with Christ, and the happy consequences. We have already ridden eighty miles from Wilmington. Tuesday 3. We came to Jones Courthouse. We had many women, but few men. My text was 1 Corinthians 7, 29-31. I suppose I shall not soon prophesy there again, for good reasons. We went not to see our wealthy friends, but came down to Thomas Lee's, where we held a meeting on Wednesday and Thursday. My text was Acts 20, 32. Brother Watcoats spoke from Isaiah 57, 1, a portion of scripture very seasonably chosen. I began to review for this year the preachers and stations. We may perhaps find one preacher for a circuit in the Virginia Conference. I am shocked to see how lightly the preachers esteem and how readily they leave the traveling plan. O Lord, by whom shall Jacob arise? Friday 6. Road to Newburn. Brother Watcoat preached in the evening. Sabbath Day 8. We had a sacrament in the morning, and Brother Watcoat preached. In the afternoon, I made an improvement upon Matthew 17, 5. I have been rather clouded in mind, and have felt no pleasure in my administrations today. Monday 9. We rode 37 miles to Washington. In our way, we crossed Noose, swiftly and safely, at West's Ferry. At 21 miles, we stopped to feed. High price and poor fare. We have ridden 650 miles towards the 4,000 since the Carolina Conference. Here, Ralph Potts, a Northumbrian, Old England, but American-made Methodist received us as the angels of God. Tuesday 10 I gave a serious talk to more persons than I expected, on Romans 10.16, a subject well fitted to the state of the people of Washington. Ralph Potts hath begun a handsome chapel, thirty feet square, and by the blessing of God he will finish it without any man's help. Wednesday 11. We came twelve miles to Josiah Little's. We called upon Brother Floyd by the way. He is sickly. I bless God that this family standeth by us yet. I also called at Brother Norris's. At Little's we had many people. Two of our friend Little's brothers are gone from our society. Oh, the slave trade! When will it be no more? Thursday 12. A dreary ride of thirty miles, without food for man or beast, brought us to Joseph Pippin's. Here we were kindly entertained. Our friend Pippin hath been settled in the Connecta Swamps for twenty years. He hath six children, and about fifteen slaves, and never has had a death in his family. Mercy and miracle! May they praise the Lord! Friday 13. At Tool's Meeting House, near Tarboro, 
Brother Watcote addressed the congregation upon Zechariah 9.12. My choice was Isaiah 1.9. I spoke with great heat and rapidity, about half an hour. My text was well chosen, if the comment was not well executed. We lodged at Mr. Toole's. Saturday 14. Fifteen miles to Prospect Chapel. Open to all societies. Brother Watcote gave a short discourse upon justification by faith. My subject was, The love of God and the love of the world contrasted with and subversive of each other. According to the degrees, so the effects and fruits of these opposing systems. Having fourteen miles to Henry Bradford's, we had no time to dine. We took to horse and came in with the shadows of evening. This morning we breakfasted at seven o'clock, and we now supped at seven. Hard preaching and hard riding occupied the intermediate hours. We have passed rapidly through Edgecombe into Halifax County. Oh, the awful state of religion in this circuit! Sabbath Day 15 At Bradford's Meeting House, near Fishing Creek, my portion of the word was from Psalm 1, 2, 3. I discovered some solemnity and a few tears. Brother Watcote preached on John three seventeen. We rested the Sabbath. We have ridden 120 miles in a few days of the past week. Monday 16. We were under the necessity of moving to Northampton. It was very warm. We started and crossed Roanoke River at Pollock's Ferry, and arrived at R. Whittaker's, 20 miles. I was taken very ill with a bilious affection. I had a high fever, and my head and back furnished symptoms of a lowland intermittent. I could not eat, and thought of staying in the house. I changed my mind, and went to Rehoboth Chapel. I read the letters giving the accounts of the work of God in the state of Delaware, and in Cumberland. At Brother Grant's I took a little water gruel, and rode on eight miles farther, making twelve miles this day. We lodged at Joseph Pinner's. Wednesday 18. We had timely intimation of rain. We started nevertheless, and had the rain more or less to Winton, a distance of twenty-five miles. Here we were glad to stop to dry and dine, but no more. Ride we must. Gates Courthouse brought us up in the evening. Our ride today is little short of forty miles. I preached in the courthouse on Titus two, eleven, twelve. Friday 20. We went forward to Isaac Hunter's, twelve miles. Alas for this place! Five souls of the whites, some poor Africans, are seeking the Lord. Saturday 21. We came to Newland Creek, 22 miles, and lodged at James Spence's. This is a most awful place, and Satan triumphs. Sabbath day was cloudy, and myself very unwell. But God enabled me to speak with uncommon unction, from John 3, 19-21. The darkness of the world, in birth, education, dispensation, 
practice, the contrary light of revelation, the inspiration of the Spirit, the experience and practice of God's people and ministers. They came to the light to try thereby their conviction, conversion, and sanctification, and as the touchstone of their justice, mercy, truth, and love. Condemnation. They are condemned by the word of God, their own consciences, by the people of God. They shall be found guilty in the day of judgment, and be condemned, according to the gospel privileges and light they have lived under and rejected, and they shall condemn themselves forever in hell. We came to M. Birds. I had a dumb chill and a sick night. Monday, 23. We made 22 miles to Samuel Simmons's. Our flight has carried us through Pascotank, Camden, and Currituck counties in North Carolina, which we shall leave today. My horse enslaves his rider. I suffer under severe bodily affliction. I am sorrowful, yet without sinning. Tuesday, 24. At Currituck, Williams's meeting house, Brother Watcoat preached. I gave a short exhortation, after which we proceeded on to James Wilson's. We have done with North Carolina for the present. Virginia, Wednesday, 25. Cold and snow. I spoke on Isaiah 51, 3. 1. The cause of Zion's mourning. Waste places, such as had been improved but forsaken. Wilderness, never cultivated. The one representing the Jewish nation, the other heathen lands. 2. Joy and gladness. Yea, the shouts of the millions of the redeemed of the earth. Thursday, 26. Brother Watcoat preached at Cutheralls, near the Great Bridge. We came through the rain to Hospital Point and crossed over to Portsmouth. I answered several letters. Friday, 27. We had an open time at Portsmouth. Sabbath, 29. Unwell. My horse also. Preached in Norfolk. My subject, Galatians 6, 9. Returned in the horse boat through the rain. At three o'clock I spoke on, These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The gracious state of heart, and the gracious practice which was manifested by the righteous, in their doing all from a principle of love to Christ, and the blessed consequences, eternal life, of the wicked, their opposite characters and practices, and the effects produced. Everlasting Punishment Monday 30 We came to Jolliffe's. It was not my day to preach, nor indeed was I well able. Tuesday 31 We came in haste to Suffolk. It was my lot to preach in the courthouse at twelve o'clock. My foundation was 1 Timothy 4, 9, 10. It was with great labor I came through. My cold, loss of voice, and a pain in my breast were greatly afflictive. We have one good-hearted Methodist, and two very respectable friends here. 
and the inhabitants generally are very Catholic. They desire to build a house for us. This town has one grand street, about one hundred houses, and is well situated for trade in lumber, turpentine, tar, and pork, collected from Carolina and parts of this state. We lodged at Richard Yarbury's, an ancient friend of mine from Dinwiddie. He and his wife were the disciples of Mr. Jarrett. The old prophet, I hear, is dead. He was a man of genius, possessed a great deal of natural oratory, was an excellent reader, and a good writer. From 1763 to 1801, I think, he was minister of the parish of Bath, in Dinwiddie County, in this state. I have reason to presume that he was instrumentally successful in awakening hundreds of souls to some sense of religion, in that dark day and time. How he died, I shall probably hear and record hereafter. Wednesday, April 1. We came to Jethro Hazlitt's, near Somerton. The people were lively, and prayed, and praised, and exhorted. I felt the soreness in my breast, and was silent. After meeting, we came on to Knotty Pine, to the house of mourning for a favorite son. Marmaduke Baker was this day to have gone to Princeton College to finish his education. We hope he has gone to the College of Saints and the Society of Heaven. We have ridden twenty-four miles, faint and feeble. Thursday 2 I gave perhaps my last talk in Knotty Pine Chapel, on First Peter four seventeen. We hasted to Winton, benighted in the swamp, which for two miles was overflowed with water. We arrived late at Dr. LaRoque's, where we lodged. From Portsmouth hither we make sixty-five miles. At eleven o'clock Brother Watcoat preached in the courthouse from John three sixteen. After preaching we hasted to Murfreesboro, twelve miles. I preached at N. Vix's. My text was John three seventeen. Where I labored, I lodged. Saturday 4 We came to Edward Sorry's in Northampton County, dined, and hasted along towards Sterling Boykins, 28 miles. Sabbath Day 5 I preached at Concord Meeting House, and lodged with Thomas Dupree, a descendant of a Huguenot who fell a martyr to persecution. I felt dejection of spirits and awful feelings for the state of the people. I preached on Hebrews 2, 3. I again preached on, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. To these exercises were added a sacrament and the baptism of children. We had a solemn season. I recollect having read, some years since, Osterwald's Christian Theology. Having a wish to transcribe a few sentiments in the work, I met with it, and extracted from Chapter 2, page 317, what follows. Yet it cannot be denied that in the primitive church there was always a president who presided over others, who were in a state of equality with himself. This is clearly proved from the catalogues of bishops to be found in Eusebius and others. In them we may see the names of the bishops belonging to the principal churches, 
many of whom were ordained whilst the apostles, but especially John, were still living. So far Mr. Osterwald, who, I presume, was a Presbyterian. In Caves's Lives of the Fathers, and in the writings of the ancients, it will appear that the churches of Alexandria, and elsewhere, had large congregations, many elders, that the apostles might appoint and ordain bishops. Mr. Osterwald, who, it appears, is a candid and well-informed man, has gone as far as might be expected for a Presbyterian. For myself, I see but a hair's breadth difference between the sentiments of the respectable and learned author of Christian theology and the practice of the Methodist Episcopal Church. There is not, nor indeed in my mind can there be, a perfect equality between a constant president and those over whom he always presides. Monday 6. At Malone's Chapel, I preached on Luke 24, 44-48. We lodged at Brother Reeple's. Tuesday 7. Leaving Jones's, we proceeded on, through heavy rain, to Drumgoulds. Wednesday 8. Dromirick Chapel had been removed and enlarged for the conferences. Thursday, Friday, and Monday, in conference. We had a press of business, but were peaceable and expeditious. Brother Lee preached on Saturday. I held forth on Sunday morning to an unwieldy congregation indoors, whilst William Ormond preached out of doors, and the poor blacks had their devotions behind the house. My subject was Romans 1, 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth. The manifest excellence of the gospel of Christ in three cases. One, as a revelation from God, by ancient and multiplied and sure prophecy. Two, as it proclaimeth salvation to all the world who will give it that attention and that credence which is given to the reports and to the business of the world the spiritual and glorious salvation of the gospel. The power of God displayed upon the rich, the poor, the worldly-minded, the worldly-wise, and worldly-ignorant, and sinners of the deepest dye. Modern ministers and the people of God of the present day should not be ashamed to believe and profess the experience and obey the precepts of the gospel, not ashamed to suffer for it and support it, not ashamed to claim all its promises, contend for the truth of its doctrines, and the necessity and efficacy of its divinely appointed ordinances. Monday 13. We finished our conference, and next day I recommenced my northern march, preaching at Drumgoulds, now Ellis's chapel, whither we had returned. Dr. Smith, on whom I called, took a wart, cancerous in appearance, which had troubled me three months, from my foot. Thursday 16, at Maybury's Chapel. I paid a visit to an old mother in Israel. I have fevers and feebleness, but a soul entirely swallowed up in God. I preached on Titus 1, 16. The characters of those who profess to know God by his works of nature, his providences, Yet there are of these who reject his word, 
who imitate him not in his attributes and perfections, forgetting that we might as well suppose a man without bodily powers and mental apprehensions, as a god without justice, mercy, truth, love, and holiness. Some profess to know God by revelation, yet in works deny him. Others profess to know God by revelation and inspiration, yet, like the others, neither fear God, trust in, nor love him, having deceived their own souls. Others have fallen from the experimental and saving knowledge of God, yet profess to know God. Lastly, how excellent the character of those who know God, and prove it by their works, and uniformity of tempers and actions, living always in the fear of God, and in an unshaken confidence in his mercy and his truth. Friday 17. Ten miles brought us to Saponi Creek. We lodged at the house of Richard Greaves's widow. The husband is gone home, having departed in perfect love, after twenty years' profession. He wrote and felt a blessed experience a short time before his death. Saturday 18. For thirty years past I have occasionally preached at Stony Creek. I held forth at the chapel, on Psalm 78, 5-7. After preaching we hasted on to B. Malone's to dine, and thence to Petersburg, thirty miles. End of section 2 Recording by Brian Keenan